U.S. stocks have generally drifted lower after failing to break out, but Chinese companies are at a complete standstill. The deep bear market reversed to after positive information from the government last month, but since then there's been no follow through. Let's talk about it. Philip Wolves joins us, managing director at Radiant Global Advisors. Uh, Philip, welcome to the show. What's going on here? It's like all quiet. Everything went silent in Chinese stocks. It's great to be here. Well, I would say, um, you know, after the action in March, uh, a lot of investors in China could use a break. And so maybe um, the calm right now is, is welcome. But I think what we're really seeing is just um, still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there was so much negative sentiment about Chinese stocks in mid-March. I mean, there was a, a point where there were reports coming out that regulators are talking about breaking up 10 cents. So uh, sentiment got about as negative as it could be. And then, as you said, before the break, we did see officials start to make statements sort of walking back um, the, the, the really negative tone of, of previous regulation and comments they've made before uh, and, and suggesting that um, there was at least going to be more clarity about regulation. So we're sort of waiting to see how that plays out in the meantime. Uh, you've got this COVID outbreak locking down Shanghai and uh, lots of questions about what that means for China's economy. So I think investors right now are really trying to make sense of this and just waiting for more data before um, they pull the trigger and get into this market. So we got some strength in some of these China tech names today alongside U.S. markets, uh, but you can draw a straight line in uh, FXI or KWeb or uh, uh, thinking about uh, the uh, actively managed uh, funds uh, as well, uh, Ray C, uh, R-A-Y-C, uh, the ticker for one of your funds, Ray E, another one. Ray E has uh, gone horizontal since mid-March too. Uh, so how come there is uh, not at least, I guess, more downward pressure due to the virus lockdowns? Because it seems like it'd be hard to argue that was getting priced in a month and a half ago. I mean, things escalated so quickly, even just in these last 30 days, or maybe that's just um, uh, an uninformed perspective of looking at videos on Twitter, et cetera. But it really feels like the last two, three weeks, the lockdown content has been shocking. Uh, are you surprised at all that these companies haven't responded in a negative way? Well, I, so I think what you're seeing um, in the muted response is the fact that uh, bad news in terms of economic conditions can be good news given uh, China's ability to, to ease. And Bingo. You know, we, we kind of expected this monetary policy divergence between the U.S. and China at the outset. And the, the case to be made for accommodative policies is only increasing uh, as the need arises with, uh, with COVID and, and the government's response to that. So I, I think part of what you're seeing is just uh, recognition that we can probably expect more interest rate cuts in China um, and just uh, generally more dovish policy going forward through the rest of this year. So that's such an interesting element to this. We've got the Bank of Canada hiking 50 bips. On the other side of the world, New Zealand, 50 bips. The whole market here has been in somewhat of a state of panic for months, thinking about how tight the Fed could make things. And then the opposite in China. Uh, how uh, does the does the government in some kind of um, bizarre world way uh, uh, and not embracing obviously what's happening, but there has got to be a benefit here to some degree when you have such a divergence between central banks. Um, does that bring uh, money flow into uh, Chinese stocks, uh, even if there is a major virus headwind? 
Yeah, I mean, that's an argument we've been making for a long time is that China's diversifying exposure. If you're an investor in most of your portfolios in U.S. stocks, China's a great way to get a different type of exposure. Um, and a big part of that is policy. Uh, the fact that rates have been really high in China for a long time. And so there's a lot of room to come down. So I think this is one of the things that would draw investors to China's market. And with Chinese stocks uh, trading at a discount today to where they were a year ago, uh, it, it's a good entry point for some investors. Um, and so that's why I think you're starting to see a lot more interest in China, particularly onshore China. I think I make a distinction between the ADRs and the Hong Kong listings. And those are the ones that have been really in the regulatory crosshairs over the last year. Uh, but the onshore stocks, A shares, uh, those have sold off recently as well. So right now, year to date, uh, after that rebound in offshore China, uh, onshore, offshore, they're both about 15% down for the year. Um, and so we actually think there's a greater opportunity onshore. Uh, and a big part of it is that diversification and the fact that a lot of those policy tailwinds are probably going to center on companies uh, that are listed on the mainland exchanges. So the mainland exchanges, those stocks not having the same risk as the Hong Kong listed ones. Is that the difference between your two funds, Ray C and Ray E? Because I see that Ray C has rolled over a little bit these last five days compared to the stability in Ray E. What's the difference between your two approaches? Yeah, so Ray E is a global emerging market strategy. It's active, it trades China, but it also trades all of the other emerging markets. Okay. Ray C is really focused on Chinese stocks. And so what you're seeing in Ray C, a big part of the differential there is just the fact that conditions have gotten a bit worse in China relative to the rest of the EM. Got it. So EM uh, here uh, is uh, trying to uh, uh, maybe uh, bounce back a little bit, uh, but just uh, uh, tough no matter kind of which way you slice it for the region long-term. Uh, Phil, what's the next kind of like timeline we should be looking for for us non-Chinese experts? Uh, any idea kind of when we should be looking on the calendar for any update from the government? Yeah, I, I would say on regulation, you know, that news is going to come out slowly. And so, uh, well, I think the picture is going to be clearer going forward. It's going to take months for that story to play out. Um, but I think in terms of the policy support, that's going to start coming in uh, week to week. I think you'll see conditions getting better uh, on the policy front. And um, look, it's, a, it's an important political year in China. They have a national Congress this year. It meets once every five years. Uh, and, and so the policymakers there, they'll want a, a positive, strong market as a backdrop for those meetings. So I would say, you know, this year, look for a really accommodative policy in China in general. All right. Definitely uh, seems like they are not going to shy away from presenting an alternative to what we're doing here. Uh, I guess uh, making the best of a worse uh, situation. Uh, Philip, thanks for the uh, details. Great stuff. All right. Great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Philip Bull joins us from Reliant Global Advisors, Ray C and Ray E.